Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. The Comic Web sells all of the old time radio programs heard on our podcast, as well as comic books and more. Check out our Superman radio podcast, and we have a video podcast of the old movie cliffhanger serials. Go to our website, comicweb.com, for information on how to get them, or type the word Comic Web into iTunes and they'll pop up. This week we have an episode of The Clock called References, Please. See if you can detect the subtle Dickens influence here. Happy holidays, everyone, and thanks for listening. Sunrise and sunset, promise and fulfillment, birth and death. The whole drama of life is written in the sands of time. We present a new series of radio programs, The Clock. Have you ever wished you could live your life all over again? Perhaps you have. Three score and ten is our allotted time, and yet it might be nice to repeat the process and see how many past mistakes we could avoid in our second tour around the clock. For none of us are perfect. Well, almost none. I have in mind one gentleman who thought he was at any rate. His name was Alexander Doby. No one ever said no to Mr. Doby. He was much too rich. No one ever crossed him. No one ever matched his will until a late afternoon in January at the age of 52 when our friend Alexander Doby... But I'm getting ahead of my story. Let me give it to you in more detail. Good afternoon, Mr. Doby. Good afternoon. I don't remember you're making an appointment. I never make appointments, Dr. Renner, particularly with dentists. Oh. I arrive when I arrive and I leave when I leave. I don't have time to keep appointments. What seems to be the trouble? What do you think would be the trouble when I visit a dentist? I have a toothache. Uh. If my regular dentist hadn't taken a winter vacation, I wouldn't be here now. Dr. Simpson, of course you've heard of him, uh, best man in town, charges $30 a filling. I only charge five. Then you can't be very good. However, I have a double purpose in coming here, as you undoubtedly know. I uh, think I can guess. Hmm? You open wide, please. Uh, the big one on the upper left next to the... Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, what What are you trying to do? Torture me? Well, you've got quite a cavity there. You needn't tell me. It's my tooth, isn't it? Will you uh, have to drill? Naturally. Will it hurt? Probably. Well, I don't want it to hurt. Blast it. I haven't got time to be in pain. Would you like some gas? Gas? Well, you won't feel a thing if I give you gas. I hope not. Rena, how long have you known my daughter? Oh, it's been almost a year, Mr. Doby. That's almost a year too long, young man. Just what are your intentions? Hasn't Arlene told you? She doesn't have to tell me. I know what's going on. Well, Mr. Doby, as long as you bring the matter up... Well? Well, I, I want to marry Arlene. You want to What? Well, I... I had every intention of coming to see you very soon. What is your income, Renner? Five thousand a year. That's gross, isn't it? Yes. And after your overhead is cleared, your office, instruments, and so on, what's left? Well, about... About three thousand, I guess. Three thousand a year. Sixty dollars a week, and you want to marry my daughter. Well, Mr. Doby, I... Oh, I... I know what you're after, my enterprising young fellow. Don't think you're getting ahead of me. I'm not quite sure I know what you mean, Mr. Doby. Heiresses aren't easy to come by, are they? Particularly for inconsequential pipsqueaks like you. Mr. Doby, you're going a little too far. Please, let's not quarrel. 
You're Arlene's father, and I... You can bet your last bicuspid I'm her father. But I'm never going to be your father-in-law. Now, do you hear that? From now on, your little romance is finished. I don't want you to see my daughter again. Is that clear? Very. I can make a lot of trouble for you, Renner, so keep it in mind. I will, Mr. Toby. Well, now get on with that, too. And if I so much as feel one twinge of pain, I'll bite a hole in your hand. What's that? I'm ready to give you the gas now. Well, don't stand there like an idiot. Give it to me. Well, we'll just put this mask over your face. Now, breathe naturally. Well, how else do you think I can breathe? This will only take a minute. Be careful with that fool thing now. Don't give me too much. I know my business, Mr. Dobie. I'm going to give you just enough. Is this stuff uh, dangerous? It could be, if it's not handled properly. So, you're coming between Arlene and me. You bet your boots I am. And I'll ruin you, Renner, if you so much as... as... Say, say, wait a minute. I, I, I feel peculiar. Breathe deeply, Mr. Dobie. Get this thing off me. I, I don't want any gas. Just a few seconds more. Oh, no, I don't want any more. You're trying to kill me. Take that mask away. Take it away, you You're killing me. You're killing me. Say something, Mr. Derby. Who it pleases you? My name is Ipswich. That's not a name, that's a railroad station. Where am I? In a room. Oh, I know I'm in a room. You... That dentist, Renner. Now I remember. He tried to kill me. Did he? Gave me gas. Get hold of the police. I'm having that man jailed immediately. Now, let me see. I believe I have a list of your vital statistics here. Did you hear what I said about the police? I suggest you relax, Mr. Dobie. It'll make it so much easier for both of us. See, where am I? In a lunatic asylum? What am I doing in a bare room? How did I get here? My tooth doesn't hurt. Alexander Dobie, aged 52... Widower, one child, place of birth, Rochester, New York. Member of the Stock Exchange, president of the Universal Copper Company, Incorporated. How do you know so much about me? It's my business to know everything about everyone, Mr. Derby. Listen, you crackpot. I just told you a man tried to murder me. Now, are you going to call the police or must police? I? There are no police, Mr. Derby. What? And I know all about Dr. Renner and you. Too much guess. It's happened before, still it's more pleasant than falling out of the window, and uh, you must admit you left the world with ease and comfort. Left the world? You talk as if I'm dead. But you are, Mr. Derby. You are dead. I, I just can't believe it. It, it. it isn't possible. It's happened before, Mr. Derby. You're not the first man to arrive at the middle level. There have been several billion before you. Middle level? What middle level? Why haven't I been taken to the upper level? Well, first, there are references to be checked, Mr. Derby. 
Of course, the references aren't so important on the uh, lower level. So you needn't worry. We'll see you get in somewhere. I've got hundreds of references, Ipswich. Really? Odd they're not listed here. Well, apparently you don't know who I am. Oh, yes, you're Alexander Doby, age 52. I also happen to be Alexander Doby, the richest man in the East. I'm on the board of directors in three banks. I'm a member of five of the most exclusive clubs in America. And it would take you a week to walk across my real estate if it was laid end to end. I still don't see any references on my list. Then your list is a forgery, Ipswich. Ask any businessman in New York who I am. He'll tell you without blinking an eyelash. I'm afraid you misunderstand me, Mr. Derby. I'm talking about personal references now. Personal references? Yes, in order to reach the upper level, someone must vouch for you. A friend or a member of your family. Just one kind word in your favor is all that's needed, Mr. Derby. Oh, now, look here, Ipswich. Uh, let's not be silly about this. Uh, I'm not in the habit of asking people to vouch for me. Uh, here. What's that? Money, you fool. A hundred-dollar bill. Now take it and let's get started. Dear, dear, they're getting awfully careless at the main gate. You're the third person who's come through here in the past 80 years with money. What do you mean? Money isn't needed in this area, so to speak. Money's needed everywhere. Makes the world go round. But you happen to be out of this world, Mr. Derby. Now, about that reference. Oh, are we going into that again? I'm afraid it's necessary. All right, if you insist. I can give you a reference. Fine. Uh, how do we get back? Just tell me where you want to go, Mr. Derby. Who'll give you this reference? My banker, of course. Who else? Very well, sir. We'll see your banker. This is where you bank your money, I believe. And uh, there's John Harvey, the president. Uh, John! He can't hear you, Mr. Derby. He can't? He can't see you either. Well, that's a ridiculous position to be in. But we can hear and see him. Let's go over to his desk. Mr. Harvey. What is it, Lewis? Here's that statement Mr. Doby's executor asked for. Oh, yes, yes, his asset. Mm -hmm. Wait till you hear this, Mr. Fitch. Yes, I imagine it's very impressive. He certainly was rich, wasn't he? Extremely. He had $11 million in cash in this bank alone. To say nothing of his mortgages and real estate. Yes, it's quite a fortune. Alexander Doby was even richer than I imagined. There you are, Ipswich. How's that for a reference? It's still not personal. Hard to please, aren't you? Mr. Harvey, how long do you think it took him to amass a fortune like that? It wasn't done overnight. I'll say it wasn't. He must have worked hard for it. There's your reference, Ipswich. Hard? Oh, don't be silly, Lewis. He just cheated a little better than the next chap, that's all. In order to build this fortune, he probably ruined half a dozen men. I know what Doby's kind was like. Last of the robber baron. He, he doesn't know what, what he's talking about. Doesn't he? I hate to say this about a man who's gone, Lewis, but Alex Doby's death was no loss to the world. I doubt if anyone will miss him. There are many people who've already forgotten he ever existed. Shall I send this report to his attorneys, Mr. Harvey? Yes, get it over with. I'm going out for lunch and a round of golf. Well, Mr. Doby? That's a fine way for a man to treat a client. That's all I have to say. He'll never get another nickel of my business. I'm sure he won't. Anyway, he was always jealous of me. And he was never a very good friend. Then suppose we visit a good friend, Mr. Derby. Uh, yes. Well, all right. Who shall we see? Oh, anyone at all. It doesn't matter. I've got lots of friends. Good friends, too. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, let's see now. Good friend. Mm, uh, this will be time. It's which... Uh, I'll think of one. Uh, 
Uh, Ipswich. Yes, Mr. Derby? Uh, not that I uh, expect to disappoint you, and, and just for the sake of argument, out of sheer curiosity, what would happen if I didn't uh, produce a reference? I wouldn't talk about that now, Mr. Derby. I demand to know. It isn't a pleasant subject. What are you getting at? Mr. Derby, we haven't too much time, so let's get on with it. Have you or have you not a personal reference to offer? I certainly have. I hope. this earth, time is measured in seconds, minutes, and hours. In Mr. Doby's new world, time is calculated in eternities. Days, months, and years are unimportant. There is only now and later. And in Mr. Doby's case, it was later than he thought. Hey, isn't that my country club with Twitch? You said you wanted to hear from Charlie Parker, I believe. Well, we'll find him on the golf course. <laughs> Good old Charlie. He spent ten years trying to beat me at golf, but he could never touch my game. Were you that good? Good. I was number two man at the club. Oh, there's Charlie now, walking towards the first tee. Let's join him. Hey, hey wait a minute. He's playing a twosome with John Harvey. Now, listen, we, we, we just saw Harvey, and what he says doesn't count. I'm only interested in what Mr. Parker has to say. Hello there, Charlie. Oh, afternoon, John. You're late. Sorry, I was going over Alex Dorby's account. Oh, uh, yeah, Alex died the other day, I hear. He was a very good personal friend of yours, wasn't he? Oh, I knew him quite well. Go on, Charlie. Tell him how we got along. Tell him what a wonderful chap I was. He used to play quite a bit of golf with Alex. Oh, was he good? Uh, number two man at the club. What did I tell you, Ipswich? Should have been number one man, the way he kept his score. Well, really? If he took ten strokes, he'd put down five. It was just about the biggest golf liar I ever met. Now, look here, you old windbag. I told you they can't hear you, Mr. Dillon. So he cheated in golf as well as in everything else. Yeah, eh? not only that, but he did it for money. No money? I can forgive a man who forgets a stroke or two on his scorecard. Oh. I mean, after all, we're, we're only human. It's oh. nice to feel you're... Well, it... Uh... Kid yourself that you're an athlete at the age of 50 or so. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean, Charlie. But uh, Doby always insisted on playing for money. Five dollars a hole, and he always made sure to win every hole in the bargain. With his pencil, eh? <laughs> it was really disgusting, Harvey. He was richer than any man I'd ever known. Yet he, he'd cheat for a five-dollar bill. Can you imagine that? Oh, I guess not. But as I understood it, Parker, you were his closest friend. You don't seem to be very unhappy about his passing. His closest friend? Yeah, I was his closest friend. I knew what was good for me. He held 51% of the stock in my company. He could have ruined me at the drop of a hat. That's why I made sure to be his closest friend. Oh, I see. But, uh, personally. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? You know how I'm going to mourn his death? No. By getting tight in the clubhouse after this round of golf. <laughs> and it's going to be more of a celebration than anything else. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> well, well, that's that. I... I would never have believed it, a Charlie... Never. Did you cheat at golf, Mr. Doby? Cheat? As Parker claimed. Well, I uh, I admit taking a stroke or two off my card here and there, but uh, 
what difference did it make? It was all in fun. Fun at five dollars a hole. Now listen to me, Ipswich. Mr. Doby, I'm afraid I'll have to inform the secretary. What? You don't seem to be able to provide a reference. Now look, Ipswich, you, you've got to give me a break. A break? I'm due for the upper level, and you know it. And by George, you're going to take me there. I'm sorry, Mr. Doby. Now, now, wait a minute, Ipswich. I'm a rich man, a very rich man. All that talk about not using money was just plain silly. You know it was. Oh, I admit I underestimated you by offering you a hundred dollars, but but I, I'll raise that offer. Will you? To, to a million. Hmm. Well, how's that, eh? A million dollars in cash. And uh, you don't have to report it to the government if you don't want to. I'll, I'll keep quiet myself. Uh, save the tax. Uh, see what I mean? Only a reference and a good one will do the trick, Mr. Derby. I won't go any higher, Ipswich. Either you take two million or the deal's off. Fine. The deal is off. Wait, wait. Don't leave me a twitch. Maybe I uh, made a mistake. Maybe you're the one man who doesn't have his price, but don't leave me alone. I'm I'm a little frightened. The great Alexander Doby. Frightened. Well, I, uh, I've never been in a position before where my money was useless. I'm not used to that sort of thing. Blasted. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's a concession for you? Look, Ipswich, I mean, uh, Mr. Ipswich, uh, maybe you can help me out. I? Well, you've known me for now, uh, well, uh, well, for uh, quite a while. Couldn't you give me a reference? Sorry, employees and their families are excluded from taking part. Oh. I might make one suggestion, however. Yes? Your daughter. My daughter? Surely, if there's one person in the world you've left who's sorry, it must be she. I... I never thought of Arlene. It seems to be your last chance, Mr. Derby. All right, Mr. Ipswich. We'll see how Arlene feels about it. Poor Mr. Doby. Fancy, a million dollars, not enough to buy what he wants. Let's hear how he gets on with Arlene. This is my home, Mr. Ipswich. Hmm. Rather ornate, isn't it? Well, why, why, this house cost a quarter of a million dollars. The marble's imported from Italy, and, uh, well, uh, it was very expensive. Uh, let's hear what your daughter has to say. That young man who's with her, we saw him a little while ago. Uh, that's Lewis, the bank accountant. I'm sorry to disturb you at a time like this, Mrs. Adobe. That's quite all right, Mr. Lewis. I've brought a copy of a statement I gave the executor of your father's estate. I thought you might want to keep it in your files. Thank you. We were all deeply shocked at the bank, Miss Doby. Your father's death was so sudden. I, I want you to know that you have all our sympathy. Thank you. But you needn't put yourself out too much, Mr. Lewis. I understand. I beg your pardon? No one really misses father. No one cares that he's gone. Well, but surely... He I... didn't have a friend in the world, and you know it. Arlene. To be perfectly frank with you, I'm finding it hard to care myself. I know it's a terrible thing for a daughter to say, but... Well, I can't be a hypocrite. My father gave me everything that money could buy. Everything but happiness. I'm sorry... He ruled my life like... like a dictator. I could never make a move without his knowledge. I could hardly even breathe unless he said it was all right. And before he died, he even separated me from the man I loved, Fred Renner. 
Fred's never come to see me, and well, I don't think he ever will again. My father and I had nothing in common. No matter how hard I try, I, I can be sorry. Well, Mr. Doobie? All right, Mr. Ipswich, I... I guess we can call it a day. I'm ready. Just a moment. What? Someone else is standing over there. He seems to have heard what your daughter just told Lewis. It, it's Renner, that dentist. How can he have the nerve to come here, that murdering nincompoop? How can he have the crust? Why, he hated me so much he tried to kill me. In fact, by George, he did kill me. Arlene, I, I couldn't come any sooner. Just as long as you did come, Fred, it's all right. For a while, I... I thought I could never come at all after what happened. It was an accident. Oh, you do believe that, don't you? Well, of course. The gas output was defective. I tried to bring him around, but defective. I... Defective? I like that. Arlene, I heard what you told Mr. Lewis just a few moments ago. Well, I couldn't help it. It's how I feel. But you mustn't feel that way. What? What did he say? No matter what your father was like, Arlene, he loved you. It's the one thing in his life he was sincere about. You, you must believe it. You can say that after the way he treated you, Fred. Oh, I can forgive him for it. And go one step further. Arlene, I'm, I'm sorry he's gone. I, I really am. He wasn't a very pleasant man, perhaps, because no one understood him. But underneath, I... I don't know. I, I feel he was decent, in spite of everything. Is... Is that Raynard talking? Looks like you've got your reference at last, Mr. Doby. I can't believe it. Renner. Well, <laughs> see, that's mighty nice of him. It's certainly something I never expected. Wait, it'll be my way. I thought you said he couldn't see you. It's which friend blazes he go. Excuse me, I'm sure of it. Look, he's walking in my direction. What's that he's got in his hand? Looks like a mask. A gas mask. Why, the murdering weasel. He's going to kill me all over again. You can't kill me, you fool! I'm dead already! Take it away! Take it away! Take it away! You're killing me! Take that back away! Mr. Dolby, wake up! Take it away! Mr. Dolby! He's coming around, he's in out. What happened? Who are you? Officer Callahan. Police emergency squad. That rest pretty just saved your life, Mr. Doby. Dr. Rennie here gave you a little too much gas. Boy, it was an accident, I tell you. My, my meter wasn't working. That's something you may have to prove, Doc. But, what do you mean? You're coming down to headquarters with me. Maybe this wasn't deliberate, but uh, criminal negligence can be another story. Criminal negligence? Just a moment, officer. Who do you think you're talking to? What? Do you know who I am? Oh, sure, you're uh, Mr. Doby. Then get on about your business and leave us alone. How dare you accuse my prospective son-in-law of criminal negligence? Well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Doby. I, I didn't mean... Go to, uh... on back to your precinct and no report of this to anyone. You hear? Oh, yes, sir. Sorry, Dr. Renner. Dr. But uh, it's quite all right. Mr. Doby. Well? Did you did you really mean that about, about my being your prospective son-in-law? I always mean everything I say, young man. Well, let me thank you for the way you, you acted with that cop. I, I mean... Well, it was honestly an accident, but, well, you could have made an awful lot of trouble for me. I think nothing of it, Freddy. Matter of fact, you uh, might return the favor one day. Return the favor? How? Well, you never know, Renner. 
when I may need a reference. Well, there you are. Alexander Dobie seems to have gotten his second chance, and I have a feeling he'll do a better job with this one. Yes, at one time or another, we all need references, and it's always a good idea to keep it in mind. And if you ever want my help, don't hesitate to call. I'll be glad to provide a fitting testimonial for any of my friends. And everyone knows my reference is a good one. For after all, the time is always right. The clock will be heard again next week, same time, same station. Lawrence Clee writes it and Hart McGuire narrates. As Alexander Dobie and Mr. Ipswich, you heard Tom Farley and Ken Hannum. Others in the cast were Howard Craven, Frank Waters and June Salter. The clock is a Grace Gibson radio production directed by John Saul. <laughs> <laughs>